specific marriage between Fast and the Furious and Olive Gardens and how both are so family centric. When I say thank you, I just mean to myself, to Pete, and to our loyal listener, Alex, uh, who made a meme, slid into my DMs, as I ask all of the time. So thank you, Alex, for being our star listener. Uh, So Pete, how are you? Uh, We'll be hearing from Alex a little bit later. But, uh... I am um, reminded of your Patreon playlist name right now in life. Oh, why? Was it Summertime Bummer Time? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm kind of in a summer slump right now, just sort of hanging out. Don't really know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, I understand. But Pete, your life is so rich that it's so rich that... You need struggles to make you feel motivated? No, um... I need some action, man. <laughs> you know what you should do? Watch Fast and the Furious. Yeah? Did you Did you watch it? No, I'm assuming it's still going to be in the movie theater next weekend, and I want to wait till I get to watch it in IMAX in Boston. Wow. Mm-hmm. Exactly so. Uh, our listener, Cassie, said it was very good, but not the best one. Did I tell you I watched the movie that no one knows exists but me, the Hitman? The Hitman's bodyguard's wife? wife? <laughs> Hitman's wife's, wife's bodyguard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I watched that. I thought it was tonally all over the place, but I loved it, and Salma Hayek is the greatest. Mm-hmm. And my boyfriend left two times. It was one of those things where I found things very funny, and he did not. <laughs> but everyone else in the movie theater found them funny. I was just like, whatever. <laughs> oh, are you done telling me how you are? Yeah, just kind of send me some yeah. projects to do, guys. If I um, if I had realized that I was supposed to be doing this today, <laughs> I probably could have taken some of that time being bored and put it into this. <laughs> do you want me to do, like coloring pages? No, I'm not going to do that. Fine. Um. I had a very nice week with my family. Ooh. We went to Hershey. Went to Hershey, not to go to the park, just to be there. My brother got a suite that had three bathrooms, two bedrooms, a living room, and a dining area and a balcony. I don't know how my brother, but like, spend like I don't know how he makes his money stretch as, as far as he does. Yeah, my your, mind is blown. your brother is a humanpriceline.com. <laughs> yes. Also, I don't know if I've mentioned on the show before, I feel like I have. We're going to Disney in a couple weeks. And he got the most expensive presidential suite in the one Disney resort we're going to. (laughs) So, fascinating. See, that Um, would make me feel like I have to spend more time in the room. (laughs) 
Well, we actually like. Well, we 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 went to Hershey just to like chill. All we did was go to the Hershey Garden and eat. We didn't like go to the park. But uh, yeah, I do feel like we never spent enough time in the room. You're right. I guess I'm just tired because I took an Amtrak home. Mm-hmm. And I've been taking a lot of Amtrak, and I have a lot of Amtrak ahead of me. Did you and find the bathroom? Thinking, no, this was a two-hour ride. Okay. <laughs> but I asked where it was, so if I had to go, I could. Um, uh, I was just going to say that uh, I don't understand why travel makes you so tired when most of the time it's just you sitting. Yeah. Do you have any hypothesis there? Um, as a driver, I say a lot of it comes with mental stress. Um, yeah, but I'm just sitting. Yeah, I think I think a train is probably like a very sleepy place. It like it sounds like a good white noise situation. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I did have a very good sleep, but um, yeah, I don't know. But I'm 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 fine. Uh, I can't complain. And contentment is. Like at most, what I shoot for, I yes. happiness makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, like very, like strong happiness just makes me think this would only go down from here, and sadness is sadness. So contentment is like, this is as good as life can get for me personally. Hi, this is Alex. I got some of those Desert Storm trading cards from a yard sale back in the early nineties. And I was really excited to get, like, open up the packs, and I found some that were, like, fighter planes, and I'm really interested in planes, I've always been interested in planes. Uh, and then there was, like, a random one from, like, who is this guy, Norman Schwarzkopf? That's how I found out about Norman Schwarzkopf. There was a, a card about him, right? And there was a card about, like, the concept of carpet bombing, which... That didn't even wow. seem fair to me as a topic for a card because it wasn't a discreet, like, person or vehicle or something. The most disappointing card that I found in those packages was called Desert Drink, and it amounted to explaining that if you're in the desert, you have to drink a lot of water. <laughs> I was hoping it was a cocktail <laughs> that the soldiers like to make. So Alex goes to a yard sale, gets Norman Schwarzkopf right off the bat. I bought, like, tons of packs of them when I was a kid. Oh, that's... Never got that storm in Norman Schwarzkopf. Alex's life is so rich. I want to be Alex. Alex has yeah. a dog. Alex has a kid, too, but Alex has a dog. Wife, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that, not that your life can't be rich with just a dog and a child, but I just feel like you're leaving out a crucial part there. Um, thank you, Alex. <laughs> Everything you tell us is just like... Take a moment, Alex, and relish in your life well-lived. And, and that, is our, that is our gift to you. <laughs> Icebreaker. Um, so, Pete... For this icebreaker, I want to tell... I, I, I'll give you, like, three slightly similar directions. You need to tell me something you're either kind of, like, elitist about, uptight about, or, like, or like kind of bougie about. Like, does that question make sense? Mm. Does the question make sense? I guess it does. Can I have an I example? Yes. Two, two things that are kind of wrapped up together and anyone who has a child will be like, you're such a bitch <laughs> but 
uh, if I pay a lot of money for a place, like a lot of money, like not to put my brother on black, but I think the hotel room was like almost dollars and I got dinner for my family and it cost like $200. If we're throwing out money like that, I don't want anyone to be allowed to wear flip-flops. Like, absolutely not. Like, we were walking up to the restaurant and I saw this Okay, no, I don't have anything. (laughs) Yeah. And I also don't want, like, children. (laughs) I don't tell anyone this, but I'm really uptight about children and flip-flops in extravagant areas. No, but again, you could be uptight. It doesn't have to be, like, bougie or anything you want. Like, you could be like, I like my tater tots to have rosemary on them. And if not, I'm pissed. Like, something irrational. This is not something you're supposed to be proud of. I'm not proud that I complain about children in flip-flops all the time. I don't know if this is exactly what you're going for. And God, I hope I haven't talked about it on the podcast before, because that would be embarrassing. But I want... I wish I could go get it, but I'm wired in. Um, I want the Charmin toilet paper with the red on it. Here, what the fuck is that? That's like their packaging. They have a few different kinds. I want the one with the red on it. Why? Because. Because what? I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's better than your luxury toilet paper episode that you did or anything like but for me like it's a good fit for me (laughs) there's red on the packaging not the toilet paper right right yeah um i thought for a while (laughs) and if i'm shopping for toilet paper i'll pay extra money for for that one um when it comes to sort of like buying stuff I'm I'm usually like a store brand kind of guy, but for that one, it's got to be that Charmin. And when I buy Band-Aids, I really like Band-Aid brand Band-Aids. Okay. But... Do you like this? I am stuck on Band-Aid brand because germs don't stick on me or something. No, but I would, I would um, buy an album of all of the Charmin songs that they've made over the past couple of years. No ifs or ands, just cleaner buzz. Charmin Ultra Strong, oh yeah. Ultra Strong gives me the cleaner than average Heine. It's super shiny. My Heine, so sharp and shiny. My Heine, so sharp and shiny. My Heine, so sharp and shiny. My Heine. My sweet cheeks feeling squeaky clean. When Charmin's rolling behind the scenes Charmin TV gives me those cheeky clean feels That ultra strong hype is all for real Those TV rolls got me a Charmin clean tuckers Cheek to cheek feeling oh so shook Charmin booty smile I got a Charmin booty smile My ultra star I got a Charmin booty smile By the near two ear, the CP's magnifique Charmin ultra soft, so cozy I'm grinning cheek to cheek Charmin booty smile Do you remember, and if not, I don't blame you I almost, I don't even know how to describe it Because it was so weird Do you remember how I told you that I went to Music Fest one year And there was like Charmin Palooza And what it was, was a set of 
luxurious portable bathrooms, like not porta potties, but like a like in his own like just a set of bathrooms. And I think someone would open the door for you. I think each each mm. one room was um uh what call it was spotless, air conditioned, and there was music playing. Now this is bougie. Like, <laughs> it was like like like. I don't even remember what it was. It was like clean, but like, <laughs> <laughs> my high knees clean. Like, that that yeah, song. <laughs> something about high knees and stuff, and that and the one time I went to a portable Peeps museum that had Peeps dioramas, but <laughs> melancholy ballads playing over the loudspeaker. <laughs> Those two most defining moments of my life. Both at music fest. I uh, I I also throw out there because I think I know how you feel about this, Marissa. Um, Alex's suggestion many episodes ago about getting AirPods. Oh yeah. You said I shouldn't, but why? I, but I did. <laughs> why did I say that? Because <clears throat> I would look like a douche. <laughs> That's funny, because today I used them. <laughs> I didn't buy them. Oh, were, oh I'm sorry. I, by the way, they're not AirPods. I bought the $30 knockoff brand that's definitely I'm from sorry, another country. The phone with them? No. Oh, okay. That's fine. Unless I somebody calls them. while I'm listening to something, then perhaps it might have to happen. No, it's unacceptable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hit me. You know what else is unacceptable? Mm. Shaming people for their experiences, right? Yeah. So today, I'm going to talk about aliens. <laughs> and okay. um, I'm going to talk about a specific incident that I thought was pretty interesting. Long past the initial reports of the incident that took place. Perhaps you're familiar. Are you talk about people's People who have been abducted and got anally probed? That was sort of like the turn I was trying to make, but I don't have any okay. anything in here about people shaming them. Well, maybe towards the okay. end. Marissa, are you familiar at all with the Allagash abductions? Wow, I don't think so. Let me just tell you about it, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right, so we start off in 1976 where four art students decided to venture out into the wilderness for a few days. So they spent time in the Allagash Wilderness in Maine. It was August, so it wasn't cold or anything like that. Uh, these four guys did whatever you do when you're chilling in the woods for days. I don't know what you do in the woods for days. <laughs> so if you are listening... And you have any idea what you would do in the woods for several days, <laughs> please call us at 570-PODWOD1 <laughs> and let us know. <laughs> Alex probably knows. <laughs> so on the second night of their trip, one of the guys, Jim, noticed a strange bright object in the sky that appeared for about 30 second seconds and then vanished. It was in the okay. distance, so it was weird, but it could have easily been a light or something um they approximate it being about 75 miles away um that, so how do you how do you do that how do you approximate it, that in that respect a light 
is kind of uh, that's like an extraordinary light. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But it was described as shrinking from the outside to the center when it disappeared. So it sounds kind of normal to me. Like that's what a light going out would look like to me. Yeah. The light existing, you know, in the middle of the wilderness is kind of weird, but I have to admit if I were in that situation, I would just brush it off as a weird thing and go about the rest of my night. Okay. On the fourth night, they were canoeing. Wait, actually, I'm sorry. You would probably brush it off and go about the rest the rest of your night even if they abducted you. And and also, Marissa, what am I doing for the rest of the night in the woods for several days? (laughs) (laughs) This is like a guy that I see at work um, who runs and he runs marathons. And I was driving the other day and I saw him and he was just like covered in sweat and he had no shirt on. And he just I was like, why is he doing this? (laughs) I don't understand this. So so funny. I had um, I had like social media posts from just someone who I know mostly on the internet that I was going to make fun of because they like talk about running like the religion and then I was like maybe I shouldn't be so negative for once but I'm going to send that to you later <laughs> but yeah it's and I get that it's good for you and everything like that it's just something that I don't think I'll ever understand so maybe we nope. should do a y'all heard about running no <laughs> on the fourth night they were canoeing, okay, because they wanted to get some fish. But for some reason, they decided <laughs> they decided to go canoeing in the middle of the night. And um, this is just asking for trouble. <laughs> while they were canoeing, Chuck Rack, you have to remember him. Um, okay. He said that he felt something looking at him, so he turned and he saw another similar orb behind them, floating above the water. Ooh. Orb? orb. Okay. <laughs> Everybody turned to see it. They saw it, okay? This time they okay. did something that I thought was pretty clever. Charlie, who is not Chuck, this second guy, <laughs> uh, okay. signaled SOS to the object. Oh. You know, just in case the orb knows Morse code. Suddenly, yeah. the object shot out a bright light, which began following the men along the water. Uh, so in some respects, if I'm the orb and I understand SOS, I mean, it's dark as hell out here and you're SOS in me, maybe you need some light so you can see where you're going. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, they were also fishing, so it wouldn't really help them catch fish. Wait, I'm sorry. You know, uh, what would Jesus do? Yeah. I was gonna say, you know. I was going to say, like, what would the orb do? But I was going to say, you know, WWWD. So I guess warb is, like, hardwired in my head. (laughs) Sorry. Wisely, I would say, these guys decided to canoe back to shore. (laughs) Yeah, good. Um, This is, yeah, the best thing that I could think to do. uh, Because I think that metaphorically... Being back on solid ground would make me feel more comfortable in this odd situation that was coming out. Yeah. The thing is, before they left, they started a large fire so that they could find their campsite from the water when they came canoeing back. Also very okay. smart. Seems like... I think it's also dangerous, but yes. It seems like camping is for smart people. <laughs> yeah. Or for losers. <laughs> 
Um, they said that they used six to 12 inch pieces of wood and plenty of them to keep it going while they were away. It's not like they were like, oh, we'll be back in two hours and then throw some more logs on the fire. They were like, we'll be back some point. So they wanted to make a big fire so that they could see the shore and know where their campsite was. Yeah. But when they found themselves back at shore, it was burned out as if they had been gone for several hours. Ooh. So they did what anybody in this case would do. They were exhausted. They went to sleep. And then they woke up and spent six more days on the trip. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> they didn't see the orb again, though. They told their family and friends about the incident, but nobody believed them. After all, they were art students in the 70s in the woods for 10 days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Twelve years later, the two guys that we haven't heard from yet, uh, who are brothers, Jack and Jim, began having nightmares about the four of them sitting on a bench, nude and scared. The dreams required action, so the four friends went under hypnosis to describe what happened separately. I mean, I don't even care what else there is to it. Being nude on a bench sounds terrifying. <laughs> right? It, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so they all went under separately and a listen I know what you're saying at this point you're like well this is going to slant the whole thing a UFO researcher Ray Fowler is the guy who took the notes and um uh, you know during each hypnosis thing yeah I'm sorry how did he get involved they called him because they thought they were abducted by aliens oh I mean, they probably were but okay <laughs> it turns out each of them recalled the same events they each described in frightening detail about how they were abducted Ooh. and then probed by aliens back in 1976. The aliens Probe apparently <laughs> The aliens apparently took samples of the men's skin and body fluids. Jack remembered that the aliens had terrifying faces. They told him not to be afraid and do what they say. Charlie described the ship like a doctor's office. He claimed that they put a panel over his chest and scraped skin from his body. Finally, Chuck, uh, the guy who saw the thing first, claimed that he had a good view of what the aliens were doing to Charlie. Uh, The device that the aliens used was silver and had curves. To him, it appeared that Charlie was in pain. Mm Mm-hmm. So they each took polygraphs about this as well, um, about the you know what happened, and they passed. However, at least one skeptic, Dr. William Cole, is not certain that their stories are true and believes that the strange nightmares and the confessions under hypnosis were a result of watching TV shows about aliens. I mean, but if they all had similar ones, I don't know about that, but okay. Yeah, the, the four men um, seem very certain about what happened. And these yeah. preceding details and things are things that I picked up from an article and an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, the episode Bye. aired in September 18th. I'm sorry. On September 18th, 1994. Okay. We're talking OG Robert Stack Unsolved Mysteries. Season, I think, six. Okay. Within the Allagash Wilderness, there is a large mountain named uh, Mount Cotadin. Mm, <laughs> okay. Mount... I don't know why I found that that's funny. I'm sorry. Mount Katadin. That's what it is. Yeah, I don't think it's Cotadin. 
Uh, Got it. <laughs> um, nice. Mount. Now I don't Kadoo-doo. know what I said. Kadudu. Mount Katahdin by the Abudaki tribe. According to Ancient Origins, a website that exists. <laughs> <laughs> um, a. Oh, sorry. I know. This weekend, my mother told me I laughed ugly. Continue. <laughs> That's very rude. <laughs> yes. Charles Leland in 19... I'm sorry, in 1885 um, recorded, so he sort of wrote down a Passamaquoddy tale of a hunter who encountered thunder beings of Mount Katahdin. Okay. The hunter followed... Now, this is just me telling you the short story that this guy, Charles Leland, heard from a tribe. Okay. So we're very many steps removed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. The hunter had followed mysterious snowshoe tracks up the mountain until reaching a virtual road of tracks, leading to a high ledge like an immense wall on a platform at its foot. A beautiful girl then stepped out from the rock face and demonstrated great magic as she could read the hunter's... As she could read the hunter's thoughts. Gaining his confidence, she invited him into the... I don't know how that's related. How that is related to the rest of the sentence. Gaining his confidence, she invited him into the rock face. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Have no fear, she said. But advance boldly. So he obeyed. And lo, the rock was as the air... And it gave way as he went on. Now, if you're not following me, Marissa, he walked through the mountain. Thank you. I was not following you. Okay. <laughs> she walked out of the mountain and she was like, yo, you want to come on over? Come on through the mountain. And ever as they went, the maiden talked to him, answering his thoughts that he spoke not aloud. Oh. The girl led the hunter, hunter into a great cavern where an old man seated near a fire greeted him. Soon the girl's I don't know why it's in quotes. Brothers arrived. <laughs> Ooh. And then we have this passage, which came from the uh, original text. There came, as at the door without, a crash of thunder with a flash of lightning. And out of the light stepped two young men of great beauty, but like giants, stupendous and aw- stupendous and of awful mind. I don't really know what that means. Of awful mind? M-I-E-N. What the hell does that mean? I should have just Googled it, but I didn't. (laughs) Okay. And, (laughs) like their father, their eyebrows were of stone, while their cheeks were as rocks. When they went forth, which it was, which it was every few days, their father said to them, sons, arise, it is time now for you to go forth over the world and save our friends. Go not too near the trees, but if you see aught that is harmful to those whom we love, strike and spare not. So, guys, go on out. Guys, go on outside. If you see anybody in trouble, kick their ass. Then, when they went forth, they flew on high among the clouds, and thus it is that the thunder and lightning, whose home is in the mighty Katadin, are made. And when the okay. thunder strikes, the brothers are shooting at the enemies of their friends. Now, Marissa, uh-huh. you might be like, thunder people, what? I don't get it. But you may be more familiar with Thunderbird. Oh, 
and Thundercats. Okay, so are you thinking of the Thunderbird the car? <laughs> oh, there's also Thunderbirds, that's a cartoon. Uh, are you thinking of a, I mean, do you mean like something like a phoenix? I am talking about the Thunderbird cryptid. That is a tremendously oh, yeah, large yeah, yeah. bird. Okay. So they also say that this is related to that in some way, that thunder beings live inside of this mountain. Okay. Now, I'm not done the tale yet. Cool. Just one more sentence. When the hunter returned home, he found that seven years had passed. What? Also, in 1846, the great American poet and philosopher Henry David Thoreau explored the mountain, an experience that actually changed his belief that nature was congenial. So he thought okay. nature was friendly until he had to climb this giant-ass mountain. <laughs> I mean, I think anyone who camps generally understands that, but okay. <laughs> so now we have two stories here where people lost time while they were out in the Allagash Wilderness. I don't know if they're related. I feel like this happens to a lot of people who are abducted. That it seems like a lot of time has passed. I wanted to do an episode on lost time, but there's like a lot of different um, terms, I guess, that are related to lost time, and I didn't have the time uh, to, (laughs) uh, (laughs) to put that together today. Yeah. So instead... We're going to go back to our foursome of friends. Now, Marissa, let me get through this sentence before you question me on what I know you will inevitably question me about, okay? Okay. Now, this is really going to require you to bite your tongue, okay? Okay. (laughs) All right. According to the Fiddlehead Focus, in 2016, Chuck Rack, the guy who initially felt something looking at him, and the first to see the orbs on night four said that his that his abduction story was a lie. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> see, I had to do research on the fiddlehead focus because I figured you would be like. That's okay. Okay, so I was waiting to see what you were going to say. What I was going to say about that is that doesn't sound like anything reputable because a fiddlehead is just like a kind of plant. So that it right? So it just sounds like some like woo woo herbalists kind of like monthly rag. It's Granted, um, I'm a woo woo herbalist, but whatever. <laughs> it's a town paper in Madawaska, Maine. Oh, okay. So they probably fiddleheads are their specialty. Okay. So the guy who initially saw it said that the abduction story was a lie. According to Rack, the men did not discuss the possibility of having been abducted by aliens until years later after Jim one of the brothers, uh, suffered a traumatic fall and began to experience seizures. After suffering oh, yeah. this fall, he started having these visions of humanoid beings levitating above his bed, poking him with needles, Rack said. Mm-hmm. Rack says that his hypnos- hypnosis experience led to no such recall on his part, although he previously claimed publicly that it did. Oh, fuck him. Rack also dismisses the lost time and large fire correlation. It certainly was a big fire. I agree with that, he said. Those logs were maybe three inches. Some of them could have been almost three and a half inches. That's the biggest they could have been. And most of them were smaller. And as such, in that condition, those pieces of wood would have burned off very quickly. Well, maybe you should have said something about that, Chuck, before we went out on the canoe. (laughs) 
Yeah, one, what you just said, but two, why is he choosing to out all his friends in the fiddlehead focus? Like, wouldn't he want something more high profile? Well, he claims that it was a lie and that he wanted to make money off of it. Like, they wanted to make money off of the story. Um, So they were on Joan Rivers. um, They were on another TV show. And they were on Unsolved Mysteries. So, like, they had the experience to go out there and talk. But he was like, it's not like we made tons of money anyway. So it was kind of like a waste of of lie. (laughs) But it should be noted that the others have some insight about Chuck in the years that followed as well. Via email, Jim said... Uh, Charlie Fultz, this is Charlie, not Chuck, (laughs) and I were visiting Jack and his wife, Mary, at their home in Vermont. One morning, Chuck arrived at the house and declared that he had a plan to make a million dollars on the Allagash case. His proposal was that all four of us refute the professional handling of the case by Raymond Fowler, Tony Canastro, and Mufon. Okay. Constantino. I don't know how I just, like, confidently fuck that guy's name up (laughs) (laughs) okay thereby creating controversy which was in chuck's mind exactly what the media and the public crave and pay for how would he make millions of dollars i don't understand his actual logic right because i mean like yeah maybe more people would want to talk to you but not for as long as if it was real In response to his proposal, Jack, Charlie, and I all voiced our disgust with his ethics and his proposal and announced our unanimous decision to have no further interaction with him regarding future Allagash projects. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we later forgave his inebriated discretion and appeared together in a couple of TV projects and UFO conferences. But it was glaringly clear to Jack, Charlie, and I that Mr. Rack, Chuck... Uh, that his behavior was becoming increasingly pathological. Chuck was kicked out of the friend group, after which he said that Ooh. he felt free. What the fuck? Apparently, he also had a bit of a temper and was also thrown out of some UFO conferences. Oh, wow. But as for the events of the Allagash, I don't know, 10 days? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, Chuck says. I saw the craft. So he's saying, he said the most vivid sighting occurred as the men were night fishing in Big Eagle Lake, which was on night four. I had a quote, I had an uncomfortable feeling of being stared at. I turned around and saw this very, very bright globe of light in the sky, he said. He described the lights as changing color from white to red to green in a liquid kind of melding motion. Ew, okay. He said the group was reported the bizarre experience the next day to a ranger who was on duty in the area. And he said that the ranger dismissed them pretty quickly, uh, attributing the lights coming from a grand opening at a hotel, at a hardware store in the town (laughs) of Millinocket. In the, like late at night. He said that we saw these guys operating a searchlight in back of a pickup. Chuck says, uh, there was no way, (laughs) This could have been any hardware store grand opening at 9 o'clock at night coming from 75 miles away. <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. And that is all I got 
on the Allagash abductions. So who do you believe? I think what I like most about the story is that, yeah, you kind of don't know who to believe. I think it's kind of messed up to come out in the papers and be like, yeah, Jim over here fell down and got a brain injury, and then he said that we were all abducted. (laughs) That's so nasty. (laughs) Yeah, so I I choose to believe the other people, because he's nasty. Even if he is not lying. You can be nasty and honest. But yeah, there is something about the type of person that they describe that makes me not want to believe Chuck. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. To that point, yeah, Chuck does admit that he saw this sort of mysterious bright orb. And so I think there's something to be believed about that. Also, in this message sent to the Fiddlehead Focus, Jim talks about how when they went under hypnosis and they were reviewing the notes and stuff, they said that Chuck had like the least recall of the events that took place. So his were very similar to what the others described, but it was not as specific and detailed. And uh, Chuck also says that when they were on the Joan Rivers show, he sat the farthest away from Joan Rivers. So when she asked them if they were drinking or doing any drugs in the woods, he said that he didn't have to lie about it because he wasn't sitting next to her and that Jim piped up and said, no. Now, truth be told, they did go into the woods with, um, listen, I don't know. I don't know how you get an eight, eight pack of beer, but there's four guys. Okay. So apparently they start off on the journey and they have a beer. And then when they set up camp, they have a beer. And as Jim says, we went into the woods with eight bottles and we came out of the woods with eight bottles. And There's we didn't no have... way that's all they went to the woods with. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, what the hell else do you do for 10 days and nights in the yeah, woods? Wow. I don't understand how you pass the time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Huh. All right. I think it's great to be out in nature and connect with nature and things like that. Um but 10 days in nature sort of feels like like sex is cool, too. But if you have sex for like 10 days straight, you're going to be like, I don't think I like this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like like an afternoon in nature. Yeah. Not even a... Yeah, so. It's cool. I can't believe I didn't know about this story. Thank you, Pete. You're welcome. Um, I will say that it is apparently not respected enough by Wikipedia to have its own page. It is just listed oh, wow. under... <laughs> under uh ufo sightings in the u.s (laughs) wow okay but it's a pretty interesting case and um you know as of i mean 2013 what did i say 2016 2016 is sort of like this controversial finale is sort of the most um recent thing that you can find about what happened with these people but it's interesting they sort of in the area, they kind of dip back from time to time and, and they sort of go like, you know, what did happen on that night? So it's kind of like um, an unsolved mystery in that part of the state and that part of the country. Yeah. And uh, I think it makes it pretty interesting. So you think that there was an abduction, Marissa? Yes. Yeah. By the way, I will say, uh, I apologize if you're a writer for the Fiddlehead Focus. Monthly. Okay, yeah, the focus. But in my mind, it's like getting national coverage on your abduction, but then saying it was all a lie to, like, 
the weekender in Wilkesbury. Yeah. Um, uh, and all offense to the weekender. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like a uh, uh, what is that? A monthly? A weekly? It was a weekly. I don't even know if they still do it. Okay, a weekly entertainment rag that had dumb stuff in it. So I'm just like, it seems so funny to me. If you but anyway. do live in Maine and you do read the Fiddlehead Focus. I will say that I thought this particular article was very thorough and well written. Good on you. <laughs> now, when I say thorough, I mean that they they talk to all parties involved. It's not like they had. It means it was too long. <laughs> no, I mean it was. I thought it was. I thought it was well done, and I was quite impressed. Mm. And yes, I think you need a new <laughs> a new name for your paper. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so thanks, Pete. Do you have any... Plugs? Oh, so one of the reasons that I came across this is... I come home from work, which I don't like recently, having have to be there now. Um, and I sit down and need to zone out a little bit and one of the things that i can always rely on is unsolved mysteries on pluto tv so i sit down i watch that and i sort of just zone out but then sometimes different cases sort of like stick with me Mm. and uh and then i feel like i have to talk about them so i'm sorry to my girlfriend for that uh And then, um, but the other thing, the thing that I wanted to plug is a podcast called This Paranormal Life, which is fun and silly. They call themselves investigators, like professional paranormal investigators, but they are also funny. And it makes me sort of wonder if they are professional (laughs) paranormal investigators, but, um, very similar to our show, which I guess is very similar to other shows, is that they uh, sort of pick a topic and they go with it and play off of each other for the, the sake of the episode. Fun podcast, accents. There's people with accents in it. I don't know where they're from. I think they're from Ireland. Fun. And and I also want to plug Maine because the, the state code is M-E, and I don't know why that is. Interesting, because there's an E at the end of Maine. Yeah. That's sufficient. And MA is Massachusetts. So what else is there left for it? Ooh, that makes me want to plug that Gary Goldman bit, guys. Go look up Gary Goldman state names. Okay. Marissa, what about you? I have a very boring thing to plug. I'm going to plug travel pillows that have a wire in them because they have these travel pillows I just discovered that are like bendable. And let's say you're in a middle seat. You could bend it in a way that your head actually has something to lean on on the side without leaning on the person next to you. And it's a game changer. If, like me, you have 10 fucking thousand uh, train trips to take in the coming weeks. So, yeah. How thick of a wire are we talking here? You don't feel it. But it's, like, substantial enough to hold up your whole head? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a larger head than normal. If you had yeah. a, if you had a pile of these pillows and you burned them on the shore so you could find your way at night, how long do you think they would burn? <laughs> I don't know enough about the properties of burnt fabric. Let's say t- three hours. If you have a hypothesis about the burning of pillows, <laughs> you can call us at five seven zero pod wad one. Uh, and give us those those details. 
if you want to slide into my DMs, I am at Risk Vandal, R-I-S-S-E-A-N-D-A-L. And, uh, and we have a Patreon. And go to Patreon. I might have to support our own Patreon because Pete made a Vin Diesel <laughs> Olive Garden meme and he said if he did it, I'd have to support our Patreon because Pete loves when we pay ourselves. <laughs> it's like, like it's like a small investment in the podcast. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah. Oh, yeah.